read Judges 12 with me. It says, then, I've got that circled, context is king, then, when, right after Jephthah had a great victory, and right after Jephthah had a great heartache, you guys remember Jephthah had just had victory over the children of Ammon, woo, it was awesome, and yet he made that rash and silly vow, and he said, as soon as I get home, the very first thing that comes out the door of my house, I'm going to consecrate to the Lord as an offering, a burnt sacrifice to the Lord. And he gets home and out comes his one and only beautiful daughter. Dad, you're the champion. You're the winner. You did it. Oh, no. Jephthah, I should have kept your big mouth shut. He drifted into what we're going to call works versus grace. And he said, you know, if we're going to win, hey, Lord, I want you to know that I'm super serious also. And he began to drift there into that ditch because in every biblical truth, there's a road and there's ditches on the left and on the right, excess and neglect. And so he began to boast and say, Lord, if you give me the victory, I'll give you everything. And the first thing I see when I get home, and the first thing he saw was his daughter. Man, what a weird story, huh? And I don't believe he actually killed his daughter. I think he consecrated her to a vow of celibacy where she would never procreate and have kids. And she, and she was so hardcore, wasn't she? Dad, if you said something to the Lord, thy will be done. Let's go. I mean, she was hardcore. She might have had a beard too. I don't know, you know. She fired up. Maybe she didn't want to get married. I don't know what's wrong with it. You know, anyway, I digress. Look what happens next. Poor Jephthah. He's heartbroken. Victory has been given to him, and now, oh my gosh, as if it wasn't hard enough to be Jephthah already, now he has some critics show up at his doorstep and knock on the door, and they're mad at Jephthah for the way he's leading, the way he's responding, the way he's navigating, and I got to be real careful how I teach this today, because if you're a leader, maybe like me, if you lead other people, there's going to be a lot of people that you're leading that are saying, good job, following you all the way, doing a great job. Then there's going to be a handful of others that no matter what's going on in your life or, th or through your life, they'll criticize you, and they'll pull you down, and they'll pick on you. And, I, and I, I found this to be true in my own life, and so here's the deal. Before I go any further, I need you guys to do two things. Let, let's look at this through two lenses, one of two lenses. Number one, watch out for people like this, the Ephraimites. Watch out for them. Don't be surprised by them. They're everywhere. Isn't that true? They're everywhere. Number two, though, other lens, don't be like them. Kind of fun to look for the bad guys and the dum-dums in your life. Like, yeah, it's, it's them. And the Lord's like, okay, be careful because you're a dum-dum too, Luke. Hey, look, this is not just for you to, you know, fill your ammo bag and get mad at others. This is so you would grow and not be the same way, even a little bit. So we're going to look at it through both of those lenses here, the Ephraimites. Then verse 1 of chapter 12, the men of Ephraim, they gathered together and they crossed over towards the fawn. And they said to Jephthah, why did you cross over to fight against the people of Ammon? And you didn't call us to go with you. We will burn your house down and you with fire. What? I like it when people are fired up, but not like this. These guys are fired up. They're so mad at Jephthah. Not because he won, not because they've been, listen, now liberated, but because they're jelly over the fact that they weren't included in the planning or the pulling off of the feet. They're jelly and they're critical. And this is so crazy to me because they're the direct recipients of this victory. They're now set free, but instead of seeing it so clearly in that way, they're mad at the strategy that, get, that Jephthah walked in and they want to pick a fight with him. It's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me. Well, Jephthah here also thinks it's crazy. Look at verse 2, and he answers threefold. And Jephthah said to them, hey, my people and I were in a great struggle with the people of Ammon. 
That's number one. We were messed up, and, and so were you. Number two, and when I called you, you didn't deliver me out of their hands. I actually asked you guys to participate. Don't you remember when you heard the, you heard the trumpet, and you knew there was a work party. You knew there was an opportunity. You knew the volunteers were showing up, and you guys were sitting at home on your blessed assurance. You guys didn't show up. Don't you remember? Verse three, here's what he says, his third conclusion, his third reaction to the accusation so when I saw that you would not deliver me, man, I took my life in my own hands. I crossed over against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hands. I'm, I'm glad he said that. He could have said, and I had victory, or, and, and we, you know, we, he, he said, no, no, you guys wouldn't help. So I, so I looked at my own life. I said, Dude, I'm, I might die. I'm outnumbered, but I will be done. And the Lord gave us great victory that day. Then he asked them a question. I like verse three, the very last sentence. Why then have you come to me this day to fight against me? Essentially, he's like, why are you the way you are? Why are you doing this? What's wrong with you? Why would you fight me? We had a problem. You didn't want to participate. So I did. God gave us the victory. Now you're critical. Now you're coming up short on me. Look at verse four. Now Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead. Actually, is that where I'm at? Verse 4, okay, thank you. I've been reading a lot of verses lately. I get lost when I look up and look around. Verse, now Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead, and he fought against Ephraim. And the men of Gilead, that's Gilead and the people of Jephthah, they defeated Ephraim. And here's what he says here. This is a new insight. Because they said, you Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassehites. Stop right there, eyes up here. Interesting. We don't know when the Ephraimites started calling names to the Gileadites. We don't know when, but evidently, isn't that kind of crazy? You ever been in a fight with somebody before, and it just kind of results and kind of resolves all the way down to name calling? Has that ever happened to you before? It's the worst, because you're out of ammunition. You don't really have any facts anymore, so you just start calling names to people, and then violence ensues. This happens in families. It happens in nations. It happens in churches. I really want to just teach through this quickly, but we're going to spend the whole entire day here learning from these lessons because I believe this is part of the, the problems and some of the difficulty we have in relationships, part of the relationship struggle that we have in marriages or in friend groups or in churches or in civil or civic matters. And all of a sudden, they're just calling it, you guys are just fugitives. It's like, what are you, are you seriously just calling me names now at this point? Now, Jephthah was a tough guy. Remember him? He used to live in Tob. He had the mob from Tob. He was a midnight marauder. He's a tough guy. And so what's a tough, you ever pick a fight with a tough guy? You should think twice next time you do that. Well, it says right here in verse five, the Gileadites, that's Jephthah and his homies, they seized the Fords and probably the Chevys too of the Jordan before the Ephraimites arrived. And when any Ephraimite who escaped said, hey, let me cross over, they're trying to get out of there before they get had, the men of Gilead, that's Jephthah's homies, they would say to him, are you an Ephraimite? And if he said, no, they would say, well, then say Shibboleth, for they could not say and pronounce Shibboleth, and they would accidentally say Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. And then, the, and then they would take him and kill him at the fords of the Jordan, and there at that time fell 42,000 Ephraimites, and Jephthah judged Israel six years, and then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried among the cities of Gilead. Stop right there, eyes up here. Do you guys understand the weirdness of this story? The Gileadites are led by Jephthah, and there's a victory. The Ephraimites are mad. They're jealous. They're feeling left out and critical. We'll talk about all three of those ditches that we fall into and how to avoid them. And so they make accusation and threats against Jephthah, and Jephthah's like, are you talking to me? 
It looks like you're talking to me. You're going to burn my house down and me in it? Okay, well, let's go ahead and fight then. You're just a refuge. You're just a, a fugitive. Really? And so they begin this fight now, and Jephthah kills ultimately 42,000 of these homies. A few of them escape. And as they're escaping, they're trying to make refuge over the Jordan River. And so Gileadites, Jephthah, they have the fords. That is the crossing area. And so the guys are trying to cross over. And they look all the same. The Ephraimites and the, the, the Gileadites, they all look the same, but they ain't the same. And so they would ask him this question. Are you a Gileadite or an Ephraimite? Uh, I'm not an Ephraimite, really. Why don't you go ahead and just for fun say Shibboleth? And the Ephraimites would start quaking in their boots. Uh, you know, they couldn't do it. They had a different dialect, almost like they're from New York City and can't say words right, you know what I'm saying, or from the deep south, or have you ever met somebody from Minnesota or Canada? You're like, where are you? Oh, I'm in the mountains, going to the mountains. Like, what are you, where are you from? Have you, you know what I'm talking about. You might be speaking the same language, but you're not from here. And these guys would say Sibboleth. They couldn't, they couldn't say the Sibboleth, and these, oh, you're, you're faker, you know, you're not real, and they would execute them. And that's the end of the story. Crazy. Anyways, next verse. No, we're gonna make some. We're gonna make some comments and some insights here. This is nuts. Now that we understand what's going on, this is unfortunate. It's just unfortunate. This is one of those stories. We're in the book of Judges, and I'm gonna do my best not to teach this any harsh way necessarily, but it is the book of Judges. And here's the first thing I'm just going to put out there is that Jephthah's going through a test after test after test. It's tough for him. We've talked about this at length, and I'm going to talk about this for the rest of my days because it's going to be tough for you and tough for me. I have found to realize, though, when it's tough for Luke Frechette, most of the time it has a little bit of Luke Frechette involved in it. I usually do it to myself. I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of crazy. I'm kind of out there. Whenever I get in trouble, usually I did a little bit to myself. Not always, but, some, but mostly it's me. When it's not me, it's either me or circumstances or somebody else around me that's kind of pushing back on me. Okay, and, and sometimes we overreact and overcorrect when it's tough. We wonder, well, Lord, are you mad at me, Lord? What are you doing? And, and maybe it's good to sit back and say, did, did I do this to myself? Well, then I better process through it, and I, and I can figure that out. Maybe it's just circumstantial. It's tough for you. Or maybe it's somebody else. Either way, it's an opportunity for you to put on that servant's apron, wash feet, and to do the next right thing. It's an opportunity when the winds and rain come upon your house to not let those winds and rain beat you and push you on the ground. Jesus said, don't be surprised at the various trials, tribulations that are coming your way. He said, rejoice. I've overcome the world. John 16, 33. Peter, James, John all said, hey, Jude all said, it's a fight. Don't be surprised. Count it all joy. Rejoice in trials and tribulations. I hope we're getting that thick skin toughness. You got your hard hat on. It's called a helmet of salvation. You got a sword. You got a shield. You got boots on. You got armor. It's not easy being a Christian. And here it says, then, verse 1, then, when? After he lost his daughter, after he lost his freedom in that way, all of a sudden he gets picked on. And I just want to encourage you and encourage me that if it's difficult around you, don't be surprised, keep going forward. Notice, though, it says in verse 1, then the men of Ephraim gathered together. It, and I just have written down here, these guys again. These guys, we're going to go through five various principles that you can learn from uh, this story, principles to look for in other people's lives, what might be going on in your life. But number two, the lens, other lens is don't beat these guys. These guys, the Ephraimites are back again. And here's the first principle you can jot down if you're a note taker, and it's the principle that goes this way. There's always someone who's going to be hard for you. There's always somebody. If you're an influencer or a leader, it might, might even be one of your children in your home, might be a schoolmate, might be an employee that you have working for you or an employer you're working under. Somebody who's always just kind of pushing your buttons, riding your case, thumbing you down. 
Now, again, here's the deal. That might be the case in your sphere. Let's make sure that you're not that Ephraimite for other people. Let's make sure that people don't talk. Yeah, man, every time Luke comes around, he's just always riding my case and calling me out and making me feel this way. Let's make sure we're not those people. Here's the deal about the Ephraimites. I'm going to throw them super far under the bus, and I'm going to pick on them as best I can. We're going to learn from them. Here's why. This isn't the first time we've seen these guys. They showed up in Judges chapter 8. Remember in Judges 8, just a few chapters earlier, Gideon had his 300 men, and he led the charge. They broke the pitchers, and God gave them a great victory, and it was incredible. And then they went right to the Ephraimites, and they said, hey, guys, we're going over here to fight. What did the Ephraimites do then? They had the heads of Oreb and Zeb in their hands, the princes of the bad guys. And they were mad at Gideon. Gideon, why don't you call us to go with you and fight? And he's like, I'm pretty sure you have the king's heads in your hands. Like, it's a... Are you really that unable to see what God has given to you? Wow. Here's the deal. Gideon answered them with a soft word, and it turned away wrath. It was brilliant. Magical study. Gideon was an amazing man. Jephthah's a different character. Jephthah's going to kill them all, okay? Just so you guys know. But, but the Ephraimites, they showed up before. They're doing it again. For you Bible students who are still listening to the history of the scriptures, if you go back even further, to, don't, don't turn there, Joshua 17 Joshua's leading the children of Israel years and years and years and years earlier, and he's dividing the land, and he gives them to the Ephraimites. He's like, here's yours, Ephraimites, and as soon as he gives it to them, they grab it, and they say, this isn't enough. Don't you see how big we are? We need more. And Joshua looks at him. He's like, wow, you guys are pretty tough, pretty tough. And so Joshua gives them permission. You guys are super strong. He says, go, go take as much as you want. Cut everything down. Go as far as you guys want, as far as you guys can see. Go ahead. And he kind of lets them flex, lets them have their temper tantrum way, and they double in size. It's just incredible if you study this out. This is just their character. They're never happy, always disgruntled, always critical. And listen, and rarely involved. They're not actually there at the scene. They're not participating. They're just the armchair quarterbacks of whatever's going on, throwing lobs, making accusation, putting comments out there. Now, let me just remind you of a couple things, okay? It's not going to be easy for you. It's not going to be easy for me. We learned this from Jesus in Luke 17. Jesus said, in this world, it's going to be impossible for you, impossible, which doesn't mean like maybe you'll do it, impossible for you to be without offense. You're going to be offensive and people are going to offend you. And then Jesus gave us the fourfold way around that. So he said to rebuke people, talk to them about it. Don't, don't put it under the rug. Deal with it. Rebuke people, and then when you're rebuked or when I'm rebuked, to repent. And when I repent or when you repent, to forgive. And then when we forgive, then to repeat. And remember, Jesus said to do this unending. Don't ever quit. Don't ever quit rebuking, repenting, forgiving. Just keep doing it. Whoa, whoa. And remember the disciples' response? They said, Lord, increase our faith. That's going to be hard because I can forgive you twice for sure. I'm real good at that. The third time, probably not going to happen. I'm going to pull a Jephthah on you. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. And I don't want to come across as harsh today, but let me read to you Paul's words out of Galatians 5. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, and they were being throttled by what we're going to call Judaizers. They were armchair quarterbacks. They were Christians who were Jews, and they were mad at the Gentiles who had become Christians. They said, you can't just become a Christian without becoming a Jew first. You've got to circumcise yourself. You've got to do other stuff. And they were critical, and they were mad, and they were angry at other churches and other ministries. Man, please, Lord, have mercy on our hearts. May we never be critical of other churches or ministries. And so Paul writes to the church of Galatians. This is what he says. Harsh words, harsh words. Verse, verse 7, he says, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, says Paul. I have confidence in you. 
in in the Lord, that he will have no other mind, but he who troubles you, that's the bad guys who are stirring up trouble, they shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And if I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish, look at verse 12, this is very harsh. I could wish those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. He's literally saying the guys who are attacking you, I wish they'd cut their own lips and tongues and just, I wish they would hurt themselves. That's what he's saying. He's mad about it. Listen, why though? Because we're not actually cutting people with actual swords, but we do have a tongue, don't we? And it's like a sword and it cuts people up. Look at what verse 13, for you brethren have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you will be consumed by one another. Stop right there, eyes up here. Don't bite and devour one another. What they're wrong. I could, I could do it better than them. Okay, don't bite and devour one another. Be careful of your words. You know why? You're going to have to eat them. If you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And not, not physically, we don't do that. But words are so powerful, and we use them so quickly, just talk about this person and listen to another person about that person. I'm growing in a lot of areas in my Christianity. I'm 45 years old, been seriously following the Lord since right around 20 or 21, and I really started pressing in, and God's done a lot of cool things in my life. And it seems like the thing he's working on the most now is things that people can't see, and my inner thoughts, and my tongue, and my heart, and those things. And just, Luke, I want you to mature. Take every thought captive. It's a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual discipline. What's so important about that, Lord? Because if you cut other people down, you will be cut down. The Ephraimites did it in Joshua 17. They did it in Judges 8. And now they're doing it again in Judges 12. And the Lord's like, hey, Jephthah, take them out. I don't know if the Lord said that or not. But he's kind of like John Rambo at this point. You know, you're going to go pick a fight with John Rambo. Like, would you ever do that? Like, hey, John Rambo, get off my lawn and burn your house down. What'd you say? You know? (laughs) You know, John Rambo, he's going to, oh, man. Oh, where are we? Let's read some verses here. Let's figure out what's going on. Well, Jesus said it's going to be this way. And again, I want to underscore what I've already said. Let's make sure, be careful of these people and process it with grace and mercy. But let's even more than that, don't be these people. Don't be the Ephraimites. Careful what you say. Careful how you treat others with your words. Paul says to the church at Galatia, be very, very careful, my friends. And these Ephraimites, they've done this before. They're coming out. Let's look at some principles. Okay, the number one principle I already kind of gave to you, you can write this down. There's always going to be somebody who's hard for you. There's going to be a them. There's going to be a they. There's going to be an Ephraimite. Somebody who's not going to see it your way. It's going to happen. It's just, if you're gonna, they, someone has said it this way. If you seek to be an influencer or a leader, a coach or a dad or a mom or a teacher, and you're influencing people, for every 100 people you influence, there's going to be 10 people who criticize you. For every 10 you influence, there's going to be one person who's only going to be critical towards you, not going to be grateful. They're only going to see the evil in you, and it's not going to be fun. It's going to be frustrating. Don't be surprised at this. Here's my biggest takeaway from that is Jesus said, hey, if they hated me, don't be surprised if they hate you. (laughs) This will freak you out. Jesus Christ was the best, right? Amen. Someone say amen. He was the best, and and they put him on a cross. I'm not the best. I'm me, and I can be I can be you know, misunderstood pretty easily, and I can be abrasive, and I can be all these things. So if Jesus said, if they hate you and me, well, are you surprised? Do you think you're better than me? It's like, no, I actually don't. Well, you shouldn't be surprised then at the misunderstandings. Listen, it's an opportunity for growth and maturation. Don't hold a record of wrong. Don't hold your tally of offenses. Don't do it. The Bible doesn't do that for you. Wouldn't it be fun to be more and 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 more like Jesus, who on the cross 
accused and crucified. First words, first words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Second words, today you'll be with me in paradise. If you wonder why it's tough for you, why people are accusing you or criticizing you, I wonder if it's because the Lord says, I want you to be more like me, my Jesus. Jesus was attacked, and even though he's the best, you're, you're, you're kind of rough in your attack. So, hey, why don't you wash feet? Wouldn't that be rad? Wouldn't it be awesome if you did use, a, not like Jephthah here, but you did use a word of calmness and love to turn away wrath? Here's the deal. Why are these guys doing this? For, for three reasons I can observe. They're feeling left out. Nobody likes to feel left out. You ever been left out before? Man, it stinks. You see something going on, and the Ephraimites feel left out. That's not a good feeling. I can understand that. But really, it's because they're jealous. They're jealous of the victory that Jephthah had, that Gideon had, that Joshua was given. They're just kind of jealous. Man, I, it's not that I just feel left out, but I want some of that. And that's carnal and sinful. And this will be exposed in your life whenever I see another church do something really cool. Maybe they have a pageant or maybe they do a VBS. I'm like, oh, we, we should have done a VBS. And it's like, wow, why don't you just go participate in their VBS? You know? And we should have done a harvest party and we should have done a car wash. In the kingdom of God ought not to be divided by silly tit-for-tat arguments and jealousies. When, when, the Bible says when one person or church or other is blessed, we're all blessed. And when one is, is broken, we're all broken. So they're feeling left out, they're jealous. But not only that, but then they just decide to be critical of it. And if you want to just ruin your life, okay, be critical. Thank you for the horn. Amen. If you want to be the worst person in the world, you want to just have so, so much lack of joy in your life, just be critical of everyone. Just walk, just make commentary. And just do that. If you want to be the, the least happy person in the world, just be that guy. You can make a decision today. I don't want to be happy. Okay, we'll be critical of everybody. Or I'm not even messing with you. If you want to be the happiest person in the world today, it's your choice. It has nothing to do with what's going on around you. It's a choice. It's a mindset. That's a trip right there. And the Holy Spirit will give you power that you don't have. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were the happiest people in the world? Let me tell you something else. I believe that our joy, happiness that we have, is a thermometer. When you see the joy in my life, you'll know how hot I am. It's down here, like, oh, Luke's cold. What's going on? What's going on? It's, it's not a thermostat. You know what the thermostat is? The good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It changes everything. And when you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God, your joyometer will be off the charts. And you'll be allowed to bring joy. Did you know some people bring joy wherever they go? And some people bring joy whenever they go? <laughs> Tuck that away. Oh, man. Have you ever thought about what you just did to the room as you leave? You're like, I don't know if I, that, if I did that right. I do not know if I did that. I had to text some friends of mine yesterday. I said, I don't think I started out the conversation right. Let me just let me back off a little bit. Hadn't had breakfast yet and all the rest. Some people bring joy wherever they go. These guys are bummed out. They're critical. Number two, I'll just write this down. We're going to run out of time if I don't at least give you these principles. You can think about them later. The matter you are is often because you're more wrong than you know. This isn't always true. Sometimes it's righteous anger. You're mad because you're mad because it's really bad. Sometimes, though, if I get really lost in my anger and criticism, it's actually because I'm more deceived than I actually know. And I'm actually wrong. And as I mature and move through, I'm like, you know what? I don't think I had it right. I don't think I had it right. You ever get to that point in your life? I don't think I had it right. Here's the deal. If you ever get to the point in your life where you realize you blew it in that relationship or conversation, okay, own it and then go back and fix it. Don't just own it and brush it. Some people haven't realized that they're the wrong ones yet. You're, you're here this morning. You'll, you'll figure it out later. We all know you're wrong, but it's okay. You'll get there. And then some people figure out that they were the wrong ones, and they actually say, hey, 
Some people find out that they're the wrong ones. They're like, ah, whatever, doesn't matter. And they move on. When I, if, if the Holy Spirit convicts you and says, hey, you, were, you really flew off the handle. That was unnecessary. That was un- unchristlike and ungodly. Yeah, yeah, you had 5% reason to, but 95% reason not to. That's an opportunity to put the apron on, wash people's feet and say, I think I just blew it. I was so mad. I was, so, I, don't, I was jealous. I was left out. I was critical. So many things. N- number three, check this out. This is scary when I kind of already alluded to it. The more you let yourself criticize others and attack others and be offended by others, the better you'll get at it. They've been doing this since Joshua. The more you allow yourself this mentality, this, this, this pattern, the more you do this, the better you'll get at it. It'll become normal for you. The more you just look for evil in everyone, you're just kind of looking, you got like a vacuum, you're just going to suck the life out of every conversation. I wonder why they said it that way. Maybe they're evil. What? what? And, and you'll just get critical. God has not asked us to be the judge, correct? He's asked us to be servants, ministers. When you go to a car wreck, there'll be two groups of people that show up to the car wreck. One are the EMTs. When the EMTs show up there, it doesn't matter who's bleeding. The guy on drugs, the guy with the gun in his hand, doesn't matter. They're going to patch him up and save him. Okay, another group shows up. It's the cops. And the cops are going to, like, ask questions. Hey, why do you got a gun on your hand? What's going on? You know, they're going to start taking measurements and photos, and they're going to put, you know, put you in special bracelets around your back. You know, they're going to ask you questions. God hasn't asked us to be the cops. He's asked us to be the EMTs. Somebody bleeding, somebody hurting, just love on them. Just love on him. In Jesus' name, this is what Jesus did to you and Jesus did to me. Hey, be careful, though, friends. The better you do, the longer you do this, the more critical you'll be. Uh, number four, sometimes the people you love, this one's hard to say, but I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to make too many comments. But sometimes the people you love and serve the most are the ones who misunderstand you and hurt you the deepest. And this is just, in, and, and again, Chuck Swindoll was being interviewed one time, and he said, if you're going to be in the ministry, prepare to have your heart broken. And, and that could be because of the devastation in people's lives and it's difficult and you're bleeding with people. But I have also come to find out that it's because you're going to get hurt. You're going to get stabbed in the back to people you, you gave your life to, you counseled with them, you, you met, did their wedding and you, you dedicated their children and you baptized them and all of a sudden you find out it wasn't good enough. Wasn't enough. Careful for being that critical person. I have been critical of people in my life that have ministered to me over the years and I finally sat back and said, dude, who, who am I? That they would even give me their time at all, man. So, and I want to have so much grace to the people who poured into my life. Jephthah here served the Ephraimites. He actually risked his life for them. They're now enjoying freedom, and all they can say is, why didn't you tell us? And he's like, I, I actually literally did tell you. You guys didn't want to be there. You knew what was going on, but you didn't want to participate. Jephthah gives them this clear reaction. And the fifth and the, um, principle is this, is be careful what you say because you will have to eat your words. Isn't it interesting that these Ephraimites, they would die, Jephthah would come back and slaughter them. And I'm not going to say, by the way, this is right or God. This is like, this is the Old Testament. This is wild. Okay, this is pre-grace. This is, this is crazy. But there were some people that escaped the Ephraimites, and they crossed the Jordan River there, and they were captured. They said, hey, say Shibboleth. Are you a good guy or not? And they're like, oh, You know, they couldn't do it. They couldn't pronounce it right. And if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Be careful of your words. Isn't it interesting they were betrayed by their own speech, and it was their speech that was betraying others? I believe there's a New Testament principle we can extract from here, that God does indeed look at our hearts. He does indeed identify and examine our speech. Did you know that out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks? And did you know there will be a judgment day where the Lord will look to every single person and say, do I know you? 
And some people will say this, trip out, check this out. Some people will say to the Lord Jesus Christ, I did miracles in your name, Lord. Sounds pretty cool. And the Lord somehow, it's a very mysterious portion of scripture, so I don't know you. Well, how'd they do miracles in your name? Well, evidently they were imposters. Evidently they were fakers. But the Bible actually says that it's just like they lost their life on one word, Sibboleth, that we are saved on one word. And it's the word Lord. That if you were able to confess with your heart and believe in your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if he's truly the Lord, the devils know that he's the Lord. They'll call him the Lord, but not because they're in love with him and submitted to him. It's different. And God is able to look at our hearts. And I'll tell you what, I just want to put this encouragement on you. May the Lord make us and take us deeper today. We began the service of the announcements. Big stuff's going on. Multiply, I mean, large things. I sent out that video to a few of my friends that are outside of our area, and they just sent back big eyes like, oh, my gosh, that's big. And I was like, I know, pray for me. Guess what? I'm not worried about that. I'm not. I'm more worried about the character of my own heart in the walk with Jesus and the witness that he's going to have through us. Through us. The more important thing is, is our hearts and our words and what we say. These Ephraimites were so critical, so critical, were they over time that God finally says, enough. You're always looking for offense. You're always looking to be offended. You're always looking to judge. Don't do that. That's not what Jesus did. If Jesus came with a critical heart to look for people to, to take out, we'd all be dead. But instead, he said, no, I'm going to have Toby come up and lead us in a song. And I just want us to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged in two ways. One is to be challenged, one is to be encouraged. Maybe you have some people in your life right now that aren't supporting you or fanning the flames for you. They're critical of you. Maybe, it's, maybe, like I said, maybe it's your fault. Maybe there is some stuff you've done that has brought a bad reputation for you or something you have to undo. That's okay. Okay, we're, all, we're not like Jesus. We're all messed up. And maybe it's a son or a daughter or, or a former employee or somebody who doesn't know you or somebody who just totally misunderstood you and they're mad at you and they're slandering you. Oh, man. Okay, they did the same thing to Jesus. And it's an opportunity for him to wipe and wash their feet, to get to the soul of the issue, to get to the nitty-gritty. Maybe the Lord give us opportunity to minister to people in that same way. I pray that as we get this hill developed and a church exists, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, light of the world, I pray that it's a, that it's a magnanimous declaration of who God is, don't you? That Jesus, I hope, hope everyone's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Jesus is real. If that never happens or if it wasn't part of the plan, Jesus still wants to have that same message communicated through us. And the way that we respond, the way that we react, the way that we give our lives to Jesus. That's just icing on the cake. We don't even need a building. We, don't, we really don't. What we need is Jesus to build us up, a spiritual house. It's the bigger issue. It's the bigger deal. It's your character. It's your heart. It's your words. It's the deeper issue. And here's the good news, is Jesus sees all that, and he can do all that. He knows what he's doing in your heart. He knows why he brought you here today. He knows why we're in Judges chapter 12 on October 1st, 2023. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up with me. We're going to sing a song, and this is between you and the Lord. Two things. Are there critical people towards you? Are you going through something right now, misunderstood, people jealous, people critical, people wanting more from you than you have to provide? Okay, but listen, don't overreact. Don't be like Jephthah here. Secondly, Christians, listen. Let's be careful of not being like the Ephraimites. Let's be more loving with our words. Let's be more loving with our hearts and our thoughts. Let's do it. Let's be sweeter. Let's be better. 
If you need prayer at all, or if you need to respond to something the Lord's doing in your heart, I'm going to be over here under the screen. We're going to sing a song right now. I'd love to pray for you. Maybe some of the other pastors, Rory, and somebody else will come up and, 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 and pray for us if you guys want to pray. But it's between you and the Lord. Would you bow your heads? Father, in Jesus' name, we love you so much. We honor you, Lord. And we would confess, I'll be the first ones to say, Lord, I'm sorry for being critical, for being like an Ephraimite, Lord. So easy to assume and conclude, throw a dagger. And I'm sorry, Lord so quick to be forgiven but not to then reciprocate forgiveness to other people jesus make us a sweeter church lord a church that celebrates what you're doing and i pray you strengthen the body here if we've got knives in our back or arrows flying in or we're misunderstood help us to look to jesus lest we become weary and discouraged in our own souls may we not retaliate back and i pray god you'd examine our hearts receive our praises now as we bring them to you in jesus name let's sing together Call me over here for prayer if you need prayer.